Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We are studying the Gospel of John. Today is episode 189. We're looking at John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. Let's read our passage. When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven then. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Well, this is the appearance of Jesus to the disciples. We had the encounter at the garden with Mary Magdalene. And now it is that evening, Sunday evening, Easter evening. Verse 19, it says, when it was evening on that first day of the week. So the first day is Sunday, Sunday morning, Easter morning. The tomb was found to be empty. Mary encountered Jesus outside the tomb. Jesus told her to go tell the disciples that he had risen from the dead. And now it is that evening evening of the first day of the week. It says, The disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Now it says the disciples, and, and there's disagreement on who was there because the disciples, does that mean the apostles, the 11 disciples minus Thomas, because we, we see later that Thomas was not there with them. So was it just the 10 or was it others? If you read the account in Luke, it implies there were other people there. If this is the same exact event, it might have been not ex- maybe exactly the, the time frame that Luke was talking about, but it seems to be. So it's hard to say. We, we don't really know. This might have just been the 10, uh, the 11 disciples minus Thomas, or it might have been others. And it says they were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. So they were afraid. There's been words that Jesus has been risen from the dead, that people have seen Jesus, but they're still afraid. Jesus was just executed uh, a couple of days ago, right before the Sabbath. Jesus was executed. Now it's right after the Sabbath. They're still in hiding because it may be open season on followers of Jesus. It says Jesus came stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, it doesn't say how Jesus came, how he came to be in their midst, but the fact that John specifically says the doors were locked, that sure implies that he didn't come through the door, or he didn't come through the door the way we think you should come through a door. Did he just pass through the door? Did the door unlock itself and open? Or did he just just appear. We don't know. Luke's gospel says that they were afraid it was a ghost. So there was obviously it was a miraculous appearing. So it implies that uh, Jesus in his resurrected body, there is something different. We talked last time about the fact that people didn't immediately recognize him as if there was something different. Well, now the fact locked doors don't seem to have any impact on him. So obviously something is different with his resurrected body. But he comes among them and says, peace be with you. Now this is kind of a normal greeting, 
but it's significant in that it gets repeated again in verse 21. And also, what were they really expecting? When Jesus was arrested back at the, the Mount of Olives, it uh, well, it was at that time that the majority of them ran. Peter and John seemed to follow. Then Peter seemed to disappear at the house of the high priest, and John apparently was there at the cross because Jesus said to John and to his mother Mary, he commissioned John to take care of Mary then. But other than that, everybody else has fled. They've gone into hiding, and here they are in hiding. So you might think that he might come and rebuke them and say, What's the matter with you guys? Where is your faith? Why are you hiding? Why are you running? Why did you desert me? But instead he says, peace be with you. And so this is, uh, it's a positive greeting where he's not here rebuking them. So then verse 20, having said this, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. Now why do you suppose he did that? Well, we know there's something different about him. We don't know what that something different is, but there is something different about him. And, as we said, Luke tells us that they were afraid this was a ghost. So is he showing them his hands inside to authenticate who he is, but also show the reality of who he is? He's not just some spiritual apparition, the ghost of Jesus. He's there with physical wounds that his hands where the nails went through, his side, the spear went through. So he says, look, it is me. It really is me. And so says, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now that's so. It's easy to forget that. Some, some translations say therefore, and, and it can be translated either. It means the same thing. So as a result of him showing his hands in his side, the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So this apparently alleviated these fears, these fears of this is the ghost of Jesus, to this really is Jesus. And so as a result of showing his hands and his side, that alleviated whatever their fears were. He is real. He's not just some giant ghost. And there they rejoice. Now verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So here he is repeating the greeting. Just for emphasis, or is it being something different? I, I think it's it's just for emphasis. He, he said, peace be with you when he first came to them. And now as he's giving them his this commission of a mission, he, he repeats, peace be with you. And I think it's in light of all that's going on, they can experience peace. They are there hiding. They're afraid of the Jewish leaders. And so they can have peace, peace based on the reality of his death and resurrection. Then he says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I, I think it's a, it's a fairly simple statement, and I don't think we want to try and make it too complicated. But this is the commissioning. He is sending them. He had this kind of conversation back in chapter 17 in his high priestly prayer. He said, he talked to the Father, said, Father, you have sent me, and I am sending them. And here he's saying this to them. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now there's a shift in verbs here. The, the verb, as the Father has sent me, this is the verb apostello. 
where we get the word apostle, meaning one who is sent. But the verb for I also send you, that verb is pimpo. And, and it means the same thing, essentially, to send. And I think John's just using a variety of language here. So I, most uh, scholars say don't don't make a big deal about this. He's not having a different meaning. But there is a different tense to these verbs. As the Father has sent me, this is the perfect tense of the verb. So it means it's a completed action with continuing effect. But then as I also send you, that's the present tense of the verb. The, the different word, I don't think, is the big thing. The different tense is, is interesting. As the Father has sent me, that is, my mission is complete, but it has a continuing effect. So that's why it's the perfect tense. But I send you is the present tense. So you could actually translate this as I am sending you. A present active going on right now. So the Father has sent me. That's already done, but the effect continues. I'm sending you right now. Verse 22, after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This verse causes a lot of consternation amongst a lot of people, and it is difficult. Uh, There's a whole lot of debate about this and disagreement, and it's uh, not easily solved. And so when we get to things like that, it's the, the, the caution there is be very careful, be very humble in your interpretation of things, and be very uh, willing to, to hear a lot of varying comments on this. So after he says, I'm sending you, it says he breathed on them. Now, on them is not really there in the original languages. It says he breathed, he exhaled. And that's the only place in the New Testament that you have this verb. But in other instances of this verb, particularly in the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament, it always implies breathing on something. And so the context, it's, uh, it's appropriate to say he breathed on them. But it also might just say he just exhaled as kind of a show to them. He exhaled. Now remember the word Breathe, wind, and spirit are all the same word. Now, the verb breathe is different. So he breathed, but then said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the big question here is this whole idea, receive the Holy Spirit. Did they receive the Holy Spirit at that point? Because in the promises of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise has always been, It's a good thing for you that I go, because until I go, you will not receive the Holy Spirit. Then, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, he says, Go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. So, did they receive the Holy Spirit here? Or did they receive the Holy Spirit in Acts, chapter 2, the day of Pentecost? Remember, that's not for another 50 days. This is Easter evening. Pentecost is 50 days later. What's the deal here? And, and the best answer is, well, let's be real careful and, and try not just say, well, obviously it's this. 
So the, the challenges are, did they receive the Holy Spirit here? Did they not receive the Holy Spirit till Acts chapter 2? Or have they already received the Holy Spirit in, in some kind of way? And remember, we're at a very transitional point of time in how God is operating with people at this point. We've been under the Old Covenant, and the Holy Spirit's been active all throughout the Old Testament, but not like the Holy Spirit's active today. And this is a very transitional point here in the activity of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit would come on people in the Old Testament and guide them and empower them to do the work of God. The Holy Spirit would reveal things to people in the Old Testament. But people were not indwelt by the Holy Spirit the same way that we are today. As now we understand that anybody, when they come to Christ, they receive the Holy Spirit then and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit at that point. People here, these followers of Jesus, they are already followers of Christ. They have already come to faith. But we haven't had the ascension of Jesus yet. And he says, not till I ascend that you get the Holy Spirit. We just have to be very careful uh, trying to put this together and tie it up with a neat bow. And I think the best understanding of this, at least what I'm comfortable with, is this is a command to receive the Holy Spirit, which really doesn't take effect until a few weeks later at Acts chapter 2 because he's he's giving this this commission that as the Father sent me, I send you, receive the Holy Spirit. And he's also already promised that the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would guide, the Holy Spirit would empower, the Holy Spirit would teach, but we really don't see it in effect until Acts chapter 2. And it could be, you know, some people say, well, it's just this little group. It's not a universal thing with the Holy Spirit. It's just this little group, and they receive something of the Holy Spirit that really doesn't come into effect in power until Acts chapter 2. It, it's hard to say, and so that's where we just we just have to be careful here. Uh, like I said, I, I'm comfortable with it's a, a future promise of you will receive the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 23, he says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This language is very similar to Matthew 16 with the binding and loosing. That which you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That which you loose on earth will be loosed. I don't see this as a command or authority to for us to forgive or not forgive sins. It is part of the command to be sent to take the gospel. And what we do with the gospel is, has to do with how sins are forgiven or not forgiven. If we faithfully preach the gospel and people hear the gospel and receive the gospel and experience the forgiveness of sin, that's directly linked to what we do. But if we don't go and be sent as he is sending us and faithfully preach the gospel, and people hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And people's sins are not forgiven. So I, I take this much the, the same way we, we interpret Matthew 16 with the binding and loosing. This is the commission to go into the world with the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what leads to the forgiveness of sin. Or not forgiving of sin is people's response to the gospel, which depends on us taking the gospel 
in the power of the Holy Spirit to a lost world which needs the gospel. And we can do this because peace is with us, because the peace that Jesus provides through his death and resurrection. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.